Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Poolside Perspectives Podcast. I am Kevin Woodhurst, and with me is my good friend, Mike Farley, and we're so glad you found this podcast. Together, we have been homeowner advocates in outdoor living and the pool industry for over 30 years. So we understand the challenges you face creating your backyard paradise. We know your curiosity is not enough to ensure your success. So on this podcast, we're going to talk about the design process and practical steps to help you create that space. We'll have some fun mixed in with it, some aha moments, and this is no fluff. No one has time for that. So we're going to get serious and get very particular about all of these topics. Whether you are a new homeowner with your first remodel or a seasoned homeowner competing your last dream home, we are here to help you end up with what you dreamed of. From pools to patios, pizza ovens to pergolas, porcelain to pumps, pool party to permits, ping pong tables to the processes to your paradise. This is straight talk and action steps. Let's get started. Hey everybody, this is Kevin back with Poolside Perspectives. Mike, why don't you give us an overview of what we're going to talk about today? So this episode will probably be dropping sometime around the 1st of February, but it is Happy New Year's here for us in the recording studio. And February, it's the end of winter. We're so tired of winter at this point in time. Right. And so one of the things we wanted to do is talk about some things that you can do in your design process or supplement your design after it's been installed to help you deal with the winter. We've got a bunch of things to consider and look at and help through that process. We have a great show to go on today, so listen carefully. When you're using your outdoor living space in the wintertime, what are some things that help you do that? I think that when we're designing and when you're thinking about having a backyard project, it's really important and critical actually to consider the times of the year that it doesn't seem like it's a good time to go outside. And I can assure you after the last few weeks, being outside even in the wintertime is pretty therapeutic. And I have enjoyed getting back to some sort of normal and spending some time out. And I'll tell you that just being out in the sun, a little bit of sunshine that we got, oh, yeah. you know, even though it was cold, was again, very therapeutic. And in fact, I met with a, a friend of mine, Jamie Pittman, and while I was at his house and he's the owner of Stellar Cells. He had this giant fire pit in the backyard. I mean, it's huge. It's probably five or six feet wide, right. full of lava rock. Right. And there's enough gas going to it that the flames were just amazing. And just sitting there in the sun and enjoying the cool breeze was awesome. And I enjoyed the chat with him. It was a great chat. And I think it's just really important to think about that because being cooped up inside all winter long, not really being able to enjoy, especially the beautiful backyard that you may have. And all the accessories that Mike and I have been talking about and all the stuff that we're going to talk about becomes really important. And I got firsthand look at this yet again. And it's just a reminder of how amazing it is to have a backyard that extends from the house and enjoying being out in the open. It just does. And there's all kinds of things that we can do to make it even better. So fire pits are one of the things that basically we came up with the top 15 and fire pits are definitely something that in February, you can thoroughly enjoy. Oh, for sure. And I don't enjoy them quite as much in July. I do hanging out and being around people and being social, but it sure is a nice situation when you have a nice fire pit to sit by. You mentioned that he had gas. So there's a couple of different things that people do. Some people will use a gas-fired unit that they actually build it into place and mm -hmm. then they have gas go into that. So that makes it easy to light. And also, some people don't burn anything in it other than gas, right? 
and oddly enough, most people know that I spent a lot of years at Phoenix building and designing swimming pools. I did a lot of fire pits for that same reason, because part of what I was trying to coach people and help people understand was, let's look at the broader picture here. This isn't just a project that you're going to enjoy during the summer when it's nice, but let's figure out a way to make it so that you can enjoy not only your investment, but your backyard being out in the open year round. And it does get cooler there. You get used to different climates. What's funny about Phoenix is when it gets to be 70 degrees, there'll be people with coats on, but then you get people that are visiting from out of state. For instance, my sisters who visited quite a bit, they would get down there in the middle of summer. We're cold and they're in t-shirts, different environments. You get used to different things. Your blood thins. And so you really have to look at the area that you live in and try to understand it. And that's part of what we're doing with like master plans and everything else. Yeah, pretty good. And I did a lot of them. There are some people that do like to burn wood, Mm -hmm. okay, in their fire pit so that you can put those just about anywhere that you want because they're not considered a uh, permanent fixture type situation. So, Like the portable ones? Right. Because for instance, on Phoenix, because of the air quality, there's lots of times you're not allowed to burn wood. They have burn bans and that can go on for weeks, if not a month or so. Oh, yeah. And then so if you have a wood burning one, that's great. But if you have a burn ban going on, you're not going to be using it. The indoor fireplaces are the same way because some of them, and probably just like here, they're wood burning and some are gas. And I haven't heard anything about burn bans here. Does that happen? No. Generally, it doesn't because there's not a whole lot of stuff to burn. So a different climate a different perspective. Yes. And that's really what we're trying to get across. Yeah. But with your fire pits, I was at a job site the other day and I saw it's a fire pits called a solo stove. And the solo stove, their whole claim is that they don't have smoke. And so I don't know how it works, but you can burn wood in it and it doesn't throw a lot of smoke off of it. A solo stove. Yes. See, I haven't heard that term before. Yeah. Hayden. Our electrician has one because in his backyard, the city codes won't allow any fire pit within 10 feet of anything that's burnable, flammable. So Mm -hmm. your fence, your house, anything, his whole project's only 15 feet wide. Wow. And he couldn't get anything except a portable unit, which you can place anywhere because there's not a code that restricts that situation. So. Anyway, fire pits are a great way to create a usable space. Now, one of the things that you said I think is really critical is when you sit in the sun, you like to sit there and enjoy it. The one thing that can really mess it up is wind. Oh, for sure. Especially if you're dealing with February temperatures. Uh So we have an outdoor structure. Let's go with that as a given. And we have some protection over us. And so we want to try to create some form of wind blocks and type situations. Are there particular things that you found that have worked really well for you? I think it just depends on the environment and the design of everything, because we can certainly block wind in different ways, whether or not it's a solid structure or a slatted structure, or maybe it's landscaping. There's ways to do that. And there's probably many ways that I haven't even thought of, because the wind blows a little bit more here than it does yet again in Phoenix. Right. And so there's just these different environments where there's lots of great ideas and you're a plethora of information. And let's discuss some of those. The big thing here, and again, I'm sure it's different in different locations. Our winds come generally in the winter from the Northeast. Mm -hmm. Excuse me, Northwest. Got the wrong direction. They generally come out of the Northwest. So one of the things that I'm trying to do is make sure that I block that side, maybe the West side and the North side, 
so I get some protection. And as you said, like a solid wall works really well. But I was going through doing some research because, again, I'm sure in other parts of the country, there's other things that could be done, but to just block the wind. So one of the things that they were talking about was drop screens that come out of the, the ceiling that come down and you can actually get some protection from the wind, which is really helpful. Also, it blocks the sun in certain times. I have a question about that because I listened to yours when Trey filled in for me, which he did an amazing job. I was listening to that very intently because I was just really proud of the job that he did. But when you were talking about the drop screens affecting the wind, what came through my mind is really how much does a screen really block the wind? Clearly, it blocks it quite a bit because you guys were talking about air conditioning these units. And, you know, some other stuff. So, I mean, it's just, it's fascinating to me to learn different perspectives, to understand, you know, different areas of the country and how they do stuff. And so it's been really good. So the mesh that comes down, there's different grades of that or different size openings. As I've learned. And so the tighter ones will actually do a fairly effective job of blocking the wind and also creating a space that you then can heat, which is really helpful. I had some people that, I was just going on different platforms, checking things out. And I said, sometimes it's a temporary thing and we just need something for a few weeks. And we just went in and stapled some clear vinyl plastic up on the two sides that the wind was an issue. And it wasn't the most aesthetically pleasing, but now it made the space a lot more comfortable. This weekend, when I was out visiting with Jamie, was actually drove by a restaurant that's in Bartonville. And that's exactly what they did, because I believe that's probably screened much of the time. But on the outside, they did have some sort of plastic or plexiglass up, you know, against it to contain the heat, create a different environment for people so they could go in there, eat their dinners, enjoy their families and friends and be comfortable. It's like, ding. Oh, that makes sense. So the other thing that was just suggested was curtains. If you have some heavy curtains that you put out there, it can be done for privacy to give you in a space, but also can be to just block the wind and be adjusted as you need it seasonally. And also a great way to maybe add some color. Almost definitely. And you could change those out based upon the season. So one of the things that mentioned in the top 15 here was color Mm -hmm. and the space. And certain times of the year, you may want to change out things such as simple as pillows that you're using in a space. It mentioned also blankets that you may want to use as a throw over the back of a chair, which could bring in some color and some brighter colors this time of the year, because in February, a lot of times it's kind of dreary and gray. And those cushions are sitting on furniture and furniture. This is another great topic. It could be made of steel. It could be made of wood. And when Phoenix furniture is made of steel in the summertime, It's like a hot slide. It's hot. You can hardly put your arm down on it. And then wood doesn't necessarily always do really good outside in the inclement weather. In Phoenix, it roasts the wood. Everything in Phoenix, the sun is just hard on everything. Right. And here in this environment, North Texas, and probably in many other parts of the country, you got to start taking some of that into consideration. How are you going to treat it or what type of furniture is going to make the most sense? What's going to last? And then the cushions, as you said, you can swap those out based upon the season, add colors to it. You get this emotional connection to being outside because you're comfortable as we bring the indoors out and the out in. It's really good stuff. One of the things when I was doing this reading that I didn't really think about that much before is wood, they said, is a lot more comfortable in the wintertime because it's not as cold as some forms of metal would Mm. be. 
But the other thing is, as the materials are exposed, one of the things you may want to look at is if you're going to be using wood outside is to put a protective sealant on that wood to help it hold up better over with the elements. As you would with the metal it mentioned, using a primer-based rust-resistant primer to put it on and then put some enamel paint on it would be a good thing to do to help it hold up. Talked about wicker, just using a clean marine-grade varnish on it. And, and I like the wicker stuff. Yeah. And then the other thing is, a lot of cases, you may want to have covers for your furniture so that you can cover it during the really harsh elements, but then you can pull the cover off and go out and enjoy the space. Great point. And put the cover back on after you're done. There's just a lot to think about. One of the things that was crazy is I was doing this research. This was point number 12. I'm jumping around though, but I didn't realize there is heated furniture. That makes sense. And I have a story about that because up until two trucks ago, I'd never had heated seats because again, I was in Phoenix right? and it didn't make a lot of sense to have heated seats. But in the wintertime, actually we did use it. And as we traveled around, especially during COVID in our RV, because that's what we did during COVID is we traveled. And there wasn't a lot of people on the road. It was just a great time to do it. But the truck that I had at the time had heated seats. And so when I got over here and I changed vehicles because I didn't need that big truck anymore, one of the things that was super important to me was the heated seats. And now you bring up the fact that there's heated furniture. I didn't have any clue there was heated furniture. I mean, it makes sense that there is. Sure. But at the same time, you don't know what you don't know. Right. The people in Chicago are just mocking us right now. Oh, for sure. Like, or the Northeast. Yes. They're like, what are these guys that are, they don't know? We didn't have that perspective. So, yep. but yes, I made fun of my wife for having enjoyed heated seats. And, Do you like having them now? Yeah. The other day she's like, you want me to turn your heated seat on? Like, yes, please. Yeah. Well, and the other thing that the heated seats do for you, other than the fact that it feels good on you, I've had a bad back for many years and that heat just feels good on an injury. Almost definitely. We've got a structure. We provide some screening or enclosure protection from the wind. What are some things that we could heat the space with? You could bring in temporary space heaters that you could use not only in the structure, but outside the structure. Say you're just sitting outside. You have a little bit of heat. Everybody's been to a restaurant where they've got those portable heaters that they move around. Uh, and Freestanding ones. Yeah. Right. And this day and age, there's infrared heaters. There's heaters that are electric. There's heaters that are gas powered. They could be propane or natural gas. Those can be permanently installed in the roofs of structures. We've all seen this in restaurants and other places. And these are things that you can now have at your home. And there's a lot of different options for that. And I used the word plethora a few minutes ago because I was teasing somebody online about that word. It's a hilarious word to me, plethora, which means there's a lot of options. And we could say that there's a plethora of perspectives about things. Speaking of funny, I just have to ask about your collar there. Are you going into the ministry? You mean my noose? Yeah, I don't know. As some people might know, and those that don't, I had a massive infection that started about a month ago and ended up in the hospital. I blew my face out. I've got this pretty big hole inside of my face, which is finally healing and doing very well. And so I'm trying to protect it a little bit. It's a little awkward. But at the same time, it makes me feel a little comfortable. But getting used to having this around my neck reminds me of a time I was water skiing many years ago. And I was yelling at the boat, whoa, because I had crashed. The rope got wrapped around my neck. They said, they thought I said, go. Go. I looked like Clint Eastwood from Hang 'em High for weeks because I had this rope burn all the way around my neck. And I've gotten used to, to having something around my neck because of some of the therapy that we're doing for my cancer. 
But at the same time, we're just trying to keep that safe. But yeah, the ministry, that's pretty funny stuff. We're happy to have you back. Thank you. But those heaters are really nice that you can put up in the ceiling. The one thing that I have a lot of clients that don't understand is the electric draw on those electric units is really high. Sure. And so a lot of times it's not feasible to put those in because of the limited electricity that comes up to the house. So the gas ones work really well if you can plan ahead to do something. And that's the point to the planning ahead. That's why we really like to get in early. And if you're building a new home and some of the draw from electricity or the gas requirements, kind of need to know that stuff before you start building a house. I've got a huge project going on in Flower Mound. People are amazing. The contractor is amazing. But there were some things that just weren't really discussed and possibly just didn't know. And so we're making accommodations now. But if we can get in, if you're planning to build a house, the time to talk to your outdoor specialist, your pool designer, your backyard designer, whatever you want to call it, is pretty early on. Yeah. So master plans work great. It works a lot easier if we're involved sooner. Mm-hmm. So one thing also, which I've done for a long time, is we put an outdoor fireplace into that structure. Oh, yeah. And they're beautiful. Yeah. You know, they can create some real warmth if you've got a enclosed situation that can be really enjoyed. Also, a lot of people find that it's a great place to put a TV. It is. In that space as well. And be able to incorporate that in like a sunken area with a swim up bar with a fire pit in it. Now you've got the heat. Now you're creating the ambiance. Now it becomes a place everybody wants to go. As you come in the front door of a house and you see a pool back there, you know, as designers, we're trying to think about, as we've talked about before, the views, how everything comes together, works together. That's where you want to go. And again, it's about spending that time outdoors in the wintertime and the times where it's inclement. That becomes a really special place. Everybody enjoys that space and people are looking more and more for that space outside to enjoy all these things that you're creating. But sometimes you can't build a whole structure. And so one of the things you may want to look at is, can I create something that the house blocks the wind and I can create a space up close to the house that was protected for more heavily winter use? And that's an orientation thing. Very much so. So if you hadn't bought your lot yet and you're in the design process of the house, and I'm sure there's architects that think about this, but there's a time to really look at that. You know, over the years, Heather and I have become very good house hunters because we've flipped some. We've bought quite a few houses over the years. And that's the kind of stuff I think about. There's just other things you think about having outlets in the soffits for Christmas lights. I could go on and on about it. Unless you've had the experience or you're working with somebody that has the experience how are you going to get that information? And then you're either halfway through the house build or the house is done. You're like, why didn't I think of that? Yeah. So here, the ideal backyard is one that faces east because the house is now going to block your northwest wind. Also, it's going to block the western sun. And so east is a really nice situation for here in Texas. Now, in other parts of the country, that may not be the case. You know. I think it's the same actually in Phoenix with this exception. And I prefer in Phoenix a front yard facing south and a backyard facing north because you get more shade and you have a usable patio area instead of a place where you're getting cooked all the time. And yeah, there's things that you can do to, you can add to cool your backyard. I've done it many, many times with misters and fogging systems and stuff like that. And in fact, one of the homes that we owned over there we could cool the entire backyard off 15 to 20 degrees and make the, the pool almost disappear with a fogging system. It was comfortable year round. 
Yeah, but probably don't want to do that in February, huh? Uh, no. Oh. No, and the issue with that is here you've got to drain all those lines because freezing is a problem here. It's not there. So one thing also, which in certain parts of the country I know is very commonly done or much more commonly done than here, is they'll do thermal heating in the floor. That's a great idea. Yeah, so it generates the heat. It gives you protection from the snow and the elements from building up in that space. But some parts of the country, you don't have that. So the thing that you can do, which is the next best thing, which is called a rug. The whole thing about the deck and the patios is you can actually heat a deck around a swimming pool too. Oh, certainly. Does it make sense? It depends on where you live. So probably more in the cabana would make more sense than Mm -hmm. around the pool. But what we have in our back patio is we just have a rug that sits out on the patio. Now, the problem with the rug out on the patio is when we get some heavy rain, sometimes it does get wet, it dries out, and then it provides a a layer of insulation, another pop of color in the space, and those can be switched out, too. Well, they make rugs that are designed and made of materials that can be outside. Oh, most definitely. So, along with the, you mentioned the fire pit, there's a couple other freestanding elements that I think work real well to create some heat. One's a chiminea. So... Chimenea is going to be more like a freestanding fireplace. Yep. Did they do a lot of those? In oh, Phoenix? yeah. They, they have made of clay. A lot of them are made of clay. And you could put stuff in and put firewood or whatever. And that's a source of warmth for sure. The other thing that I think Trey mentioned when we were talking about last time is these fire tables that people are doing more and more of that basically the centerpiece is a fire feature. So you can generate some heat in the space, but eat around that as well. Or and gather. most of those are propane. We got little tanks and we had them in Phoenix as well. But now that we're warm and we've got some enclosure, there's one thing also that I think that is something that comes into play psychologically more than anything else. And so I was doing some reading about all these different things in different parts of the country, the world, what they do outdoors. And the Danish have this word they called huga. We were talking about that earlier. It's the first time I've heard that term. I think this should be the vocabulary word of the week. The poolside perspectives vocabulary word? Yes. So you're going to have to talk about that because I don't know diddly about it. So huga, the first thing is the pronunciation I may have wrong, but I think I'm close, but it's spelled H-Y-G, which I'm like, Heige. Which sounds like a Danish word. But anyway, so the philosophy is about creating a comfortable space. Mm -hmm. And the number one thing they say that creates a comfortable space is candles. Oh yeah, for sure. It creates ambiance and yeah, you can get candles with different scents. Yeah. So they talked about an average Danish family burns twice as many pounds of candle wax than any other place in the world. Interesting. But they also are, called the happiest place in the world too heard that they have very long winters Mm -hmm. and so to overcome that this is one of the things there's many layers to this but the candle thing was really interesting to me they said that they have an average of five candles burning in a room with the highest percentage that people now some people had four and some people had three so is this inside the house they do it in both spaces. Inside and outside. Inside and outside. Yes. It's interesting with the different perspectives just around different cultures and around different countries around the world, how they do things differently. And I think we can all learn from everybody. Oh, yeah. 
So that's the idea, right? Yes, sir. We don't understand but a fraction of it. Mm -hmm. And so let's learn from other people. But it was interesting the the thought and tone of the light that they like. They also use special lights in their homes where they cast pools of light. And so it was really interesting. I, I got a book on it, of course. I have to go get a book. So that, that's me. So I think we both have big libraries. Yes. So I will read and have probably more information on this in the future. It's a good one. But I thought that was a really interesting thing. But what they're bringing into play is light is probably one of the most important things for enjoying an outdoor living space in the wintertime. So if we had a listener, Mike, that popped their ears up and said, I want to know a little bit more about that. How would you suggest they gain some insight and some information on that? Just getting on the internet and looking up this hikey word. Or no, not hikey. In Phoenix, our neighbors across the street, the wife, her name is hikey. She's from Germany. Okay. And love these people. And part of the reason I liked them so much was many years ago, I was indirectly involved with the construction of their swimming pool, which had an automatic pool cover on it because they used their pool for exercise pretty much year round. But one of the things that Derek did, he was the man of the house, is they did an indoor plunge spa or a plunge pool. And I found that pretty fascinating as well. You're just constantly learning new things all the time. There's lots of stuff to find if you turn over a few rocks and look under them and see what's out there for us all to learn. And that brings up just one more thing, and you've mentioned it the last few times, and that is why your questions are super, super important here, because we're trying to get as much information out as possible, and we're learning here too. And so if you have a question or some sort of insight, and we've got a group of guys that are helping us come up with questions as well, we're getting questions asked by our listeners Please, if there's anything you have any questions about, we'll do some research. We'll find somebody. We may even bring somebody on the show to talk about it. That is the whole, again, premise of what Mike and I are doing here. Yeah. So it's on the website. I put in the last episode the wrong website address. Nicely done. Thank you. Thank you. So our website is poolsideperspectives.com. Yes. There's no podcast on that. That is correct. Okay. So I messed that up for none of you caught that and sent me a message yet, but you'll find out soon enough when you go to the wrong one. We're not there, but there's a spot on the website to ask those questions and we follow up and check those every week and we would love to answer more of those. And And we're starting to get more and more of them. And we're getting more and more. With the lights, is there any particular light that you enjoy more than others? Really, to be honest, there's not. I have been fascinated with just all the new lighting aspects that are coming out, specifically PAL lighting. There's been so much revolution and evolution in lighting going back to the days of fiber optic lighting, which I did quite a bit of years ago. Especially, I know a lot of people get really excited about those fiber optic stars in the bottom of the pool because it just looked really cool. And even the strip lighting around the pools. But now, If you get on any of the platforms such as Instagram and Facebook Reels and stuff, you're starting to see how lighting is now changing literally the entire environment around a house, outdoors. The flashing lights, the Christmas lights that are capable of being programmed to different sounds, different music. It's creating that ambiance, that place and that space that you want to spend time in. It is amazing what's going on out there in the world. So there's more and more requests for cool lighting. Like the toned down lighting. I mean, that's cool. But yes, there is that as well. So I got to use the right word here. So I have a limited vocabulary. So I can mean lots of different things. Well, I have a lamp in my studio at our office 
that you can adjust the tone of the lighting and it does have an effect on you. There's some days that just you want one tone, other days you want another tone, or you need to just be able to experience or feel a little bit differently or see things a little bit differently. And that's just a basic light. And now we're doing that outdoors. The Danes do not like cool lighting. That They definitely are in the warmer tone. Is that what they're called, the Danes? Danish? Yes. Is that what they go by, is the Danes? Yeah, I think so. I didn't know that. I thought the Danes were like great Danes. They probably think they are great, too. I'm sure. And they are. And I agree. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> String lights are probably one of my favorites that are getting used more and more. So like the Edison lights that people are stretching out over the things to light stuff up? Just to create kind of a patio party experience. type experience. And so my wife loves that mm-hmm. in our backyard. Happy so. wife, happy life? Always. Actually, she's really into light. So we have some crazy Christmas lights going on right now. But she really likes the torches as well. Like the tiki torches? Tiki torches. But Mm -hmm. there's some nicer units that are out there that are available now. Oh, for sure. Your standard bamboo tiki torch from Walmart. Right. No, I'll bet you there's some really good stuff. And I've seen some of it. Even now, I think one of the things that we're seeing more and more of is people are doing some of the gas lamps out back. That's cool. And one of the things that we have really touched on, which we will at some point, is if you live in an area, excuse me, where there's lots of bugs, there's different types of lighting and different types of candles and different types of products that can be used to help keep all the bugs away. Most definitely comes into play, although hopefully in February, I'm not going to have any mosquitoes in my backyard. And hopefully they're all dead at that point in time. We use the same lights in July very much for the mosquitoes, different times for different things. One of the things that we love about Phoenix is we really don't have a bug problem. We don't deal with that. But if you get into a climate where there's a lot of humidity in the air, a lot of water around, you're probably going to be dealing with bugs at some point, especially mosquitoes. Oh, most definitely. They are a state bird for some climates. I've seen some mosquitoes that are monsters. (laughs) That's pretty fun. So one of the things I'm surprised you haven't brought up yet in this list here, because I think it's one of your favorite things. Wait a second, that I haven't brought up? My brain is just starting to work normal again. Okay, I have a little disadvantage here. (laughs) So the hot tub is one of the most popular things to have to survive February in the winter. Completely. I have always had a hot tub of some sort, whether it's in ground, in the pool, or whether or not it's separate. I went through a lot of years of having this mentality against above ground spas. And after you have one for a while and you can use it every day, every morning, at night before you go to bed without having to heat up the spa in the pool, there's times when that makes sense. And not everybody wants everything exactly the same. So how do we make sure that we're looking at all this stuff and really comprehending and understanding how it all works? And I have loved, we have a hot tub at our home in Phoenix in the foothills and it's Phoenix. Who uses a spa year round? We did every morning and every night. And here's the thing about spas too. And people sometimes worry about how many jets are in a spa or a hot tub. And it's the therapeutic action of the warm water, the hot water that actually is doing all the work. Does it feel good to have a jet on your lower back, on your shoulder? Of course it does. But just being in the warm water, that's therapeutic. That's wellness. So I've got a real high interest in that because that helps me sleep a lot better. But anyway, having your hot tub by your fire pit, going out there, all you need is some proper food while you're out there as well. You're creating a destination place. Right. The outdoor grill and kitchen is something that will really help people enjoy the space when you're 
trying to entertain outside in the wintertime. I have a client right now that we're doing just a massive project on, and I heard from them yesterday, and they've been listening to our podcast. And I have been telling them about a store here. It's called Texas Outfitters. Yes. And they have, we'll use the word again, a plethora of products. Okay. And they are finally, and I almost started from the beginning of let's, we need to explore this outdoor kitchen a little bit more, but they live in a different part of the country. So meeting there hasn't really been very convenient. But I think now they're recognizing that there's other products out there that we might consider. And we could talk a lot about some of those, which isn't the point here. But when you're designing an outdoor kitchen, there's a lot more to consider or think about than just having a grill or just having a refrigerator. And then the challenges that we have with putting sinks outdoors, that really needs to be thought through. Just like with showers and warm water outside and hot water heaters outside, there's just a lot of detail that needs to be thought through and talked about. Since you brought up the sink and the shower, let's diverse a little. Into All that. right, fine. So here, everybody's point of reference is the recent event, which was two years ago in February, which would be the Great Texas Pool Massacre, which mm-hmm. happened on Valentine's Day. Which affected the entire industry. Oh, without a doubt. The question people go to all the time, is it going to be like that again? And what do I do in the design process to help prevent problems? So one of the things people ask me commonly is, do I need to build some type of structure around my pool equipment to insulate it? So do I need to put a roof over it? Do I need to put walls around it? Do I need to do those things because of that one event? So you have any thoughts there? Typically in colder climates, in the wintertime, part of the process of owning a home and taking care of it is you need to blow your sprinkler lines out so that there's not water in them, which will freeze because when water freezes and it's in a pipe, it expands. And that creates other problems, not just in piping with concrete and expansive soils and everything else. If you've got any piping outdoors in the wintertime, certainly here in North Texas and no doubt in the Northeast and other cooler climates, you have to have a way to drain these pipes, get the water out of them, or you're going to have a serious problem. So things are done differently in different parts of the country. That's, I think, one of the reasons why water levelers are handled a little bit different here. I mean, there's always more to the story than what there seems to be on the surface. It becomes very critical and important as you're taking care of this investment in this outdoor space that you truly understand what needs to happen to winterize an outdoor kitchen. And here's another good example. People typically, if they're living in a cooler climate and they have a boat, what do they do in the wintertime? They winterize the boat. Right. So anytime water is part of the equation, there has to be some thought gone into it or you're going to have what we had before. Nobody knows when the next freeze is going to happen or when it's going to happen. So... Here, the way that freeze is generally done to protect is with a pool is we're just going to keep the water moving. And if we keep the water moving, then it's not going to freeze up to a solid ice cube. Okay, so if it doesn't freeze up to a solid ice cube, then my pipes aren't going to expand. My structure's not going to break, all those type of things. So what happened in the Great Texas Pool Massacre two years ago is there was rolling blackouts Mm -hmm. along with cold temperatures. So when the blackout occurred, the water stopped moving. What's interesting about that is I was still in Phoenix when that happened. And so I was watching very keenly about the whole thing. At that time, I wasn't even considering moving over here. I was just trying to figure it out because we had pools under construction. And guess what wasn't available? Pool Pool equipment. equipment. We bought it all. Yes. 
You did. But also what happened is there were people around the country just trying to take care of their pools in construction that were sending trucks to Texas to get their hands on as much pool equipment as possible. And so the manufacturers, they ramped up manufacturing, but that takes time. And parts come from all over the world. And what did we have? We had a supply issue. And so it created a massive problem that was like a ripple effect across the industry. And so were lessons learned about that? Sure. But how do you plan for something unknown? What you do is you do the best that you can. And one of the things is keeping the water moving, which I've always been an advocate of that anyway, going back to my days of two-speed pumps before variable speed pumps were out, because there's a benefit beyond just keeping the water moving as far as circulation is concerned. It's having a heater on a pool. And you think you poked fun at me one day saying, do you think a heater should be on every pool? To some degree, I do, because I want people to be able to enjoy their pool year-round. But for here now, it becomes the safety thing. And to your point a minute ago about you lose power, so maybe we need to consider having a generator. That's got to be powered by something. There's just a lot of stuff to look at. So most of your generators are powered by gas. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the gas didn't stop. Okay, the electricity did. And so in a normal situation, normal winter, by the water movement here in North Texas with the temperatures that we get, we typically don't have freeze-up issues. Okay, but typically, yes, I have to say that, typically. However, if you have a period of time where the, the air temperature does not go above freezing for five, six days, you're going to start to freeze up the system. And so one of the things that I ran into was a solution that I've used for many years is if you just threw a tarp over your pool equipment, mm-hmm. there was enough heat generated from the motor that it would keep that all running to insulate it, to help insulate the space. Talking about blocking the wind for humans or blocking the wind for the pool equipment in that situation. And so I've never seen an issue where we've never needed to build roof structures or enclosures to protect pool equipment. That did happen once. The last time it happened before that was decades earlier. Mm. That's here. Okay. You go 100 miles north of DFW, it's a totally different market. Sure. Chicago's, again, a different market, or the Northeast is a different market. And you meant, and I picked up on that, maybe somebody else will, if the temperature gets below freezing for five or six days. Correct. And so an insulated blanket over your pool equipment makes sense, but you can't put it over the heater. No. If you had one. No, I was just saying a pump running. Yes. Right. So I think a checklist for everybody, possibly, and we're not going to go into that today because we're going to bring some service guys in here. Yes. That are experts in this. Right. To run with us at some point. Yes. And that's going to happen pretty soon. But one thing also, when you talk about the outdoor kitchen, a lot of times people are like, they want to put a sink in the space. And when you have the counter isolated where there's no heat in that counter at all, that makes it very easy for a sink to freeze up. So you'd want to drain that line for sure. Absolutely. Now, one thing that you might also consider is putting the sink on a heated wall. Sure. Okay. So that's going to perform a little bit better. You mean like on the house side? Yes. So then your outdoor structure then is now connected to the house? Correct. When a lot of people don't want it connected to the house, they want it out in the yard a little bit. Then you better drain the sink. Yes. So one thing I have to touch on also in this point is the outdoor shower. Oh, yeah. So that's a very common request that I have today. The challenge is it's just like a sink. The chances of it freezing up are extremely high. And we talked about this on a different episode 
about the planning of it and what you have to do. Because typically, if you have a sink, it's got to go to a drain into your sewer system. That sewer system might be 50 feet away. It might be 200 feet away. And I'm talking about the cleanouts or some space or place that you could tie it in with the house. That's got to be thought through pretty well. And then we talked about grinding stations. And so it's just a little bit more than just, we'll just tie it in here and everything will be hunky-dory because sometimes you're going uphill. When you're in the outdoor kitchen though, and you're enjoying your enclosure, if you have some refreshments that you can enjoy in the space that helps you stay outside a little bit longer. So hot chocolate ranks on the top of my list. One of the things that I've gotten used to in the last probably couple of months because of what's going on with me is I've never been a coffee drinker. Yes. I'm just not. And everybody says, we spent 13 years in the military. You should be smoking and drinking coffee and doing all this stuff. That's the judgment thing. I never developed a taste for coffee. But one of the things that my amazing wife has started doing is she makes a special mushroom coffee and then she adds a little bit of creamer to it. And it is delicious and it's super, super good for you. And so I've developed now a taste for, we'll call it quasi coffee, because if somebody put a a cup of black coffee in front of me, I'm not going to drink it. Right. But I've gotten used to that and it's really good. And so that warm, drinking a warm drink, you're outside, you got your feet up on your fire pit, roasting your toes. It's pretty awesome. I thought you were going to say hot tea. I'm drinking hot tea now too. Okay. And I've never been a tea guy. I just haven't been. You drink a lot of tea now, don't you? I drink more than I used to. Yes. I gave up Coke Zero and I've survived fine for the last four or five months. Why did you give up Coke Zero? Because it's probably not good for me that I drank a half a case a day. You think? No. Well, maybe. Hey, we're just thinking wellness people. So if we put in something here and there for that, highly encourage giving it a shot. So one thing also, hot cider is a good friend of Mm -hmm. mine's favorite thing. I like it. Yeah. So it's a little bit different, but if you have some type of warm beverage when you're out enjoying your space, that makes the space even more enjoyable. Well, and for those people that I grew up in Idaho and so growing up, we did a lot of camping. And what do you do when you go camping at night? You have a fire burning. Right. Everybody's drinking something warm, typically. Right. Sitting around, just talking and just enjoying being outdoors. This is a beautiful thing with the, these outdoor spaces that we're creating. Oh, the great thing is I love going to Colorado and backpack. I know you do. Okay. It's a lot easier to walk into my backyard and enjoy the space than drive 12 hours. And how fun is it for kids to go camping in the backyard? Oh, Set yeah. up your tent. Oh, it's, you know, it's, it's a cool thing for them. It's an adventure. And that's what you're trying to do is create some adventures. And if you like stargazing, depending on where you live, because there's parts of the country that there's so much outdoor lighting that you don't really get a good look at the stars. But if you're in a place that's pretty dark, there's a whole lot more stars than anybody ever sees. Oh, telescope. I mean, it's insanity. Be, be cool to sit outside and enjoy your telescope and look up at the stars at night. And you're with your kids and then introducing them to know to new things. Right. Those are special moments. Those are the moments that I really cherish with my own children. One of the things along those lines is, are there games that you can play in the wintertime when you're all sitting around gathering, visiting and things like that? And there was a couple of things that I ran across that I thought, oh, that's cool. Have you seen these giant Jenga towers? I have not. We'd played a lot of cornhole, which is relatively new to me. Yes. All the time. My, my kids love to play cornhole. And it's fun to get different cornhole contraptions with maybe your favorite college football team on it or your favorite slogans on it. But that's really a fun game. But 
Tell me more about some of the games that people enjoy here. And then if we're talking games, we need to store these somewhere. You can't just leave them out in the elements all the time. And so storage, as you've talked about before, and, and I know is important, is, you know, as you're creating these outdoor spaces, where are you going to store certain things? For instance, going back to the wood, if you have wood burning stuff, but I want to hear about your games. Cornhole is one of them. So you already stole that one for me. But yes, that is, I'd say, one of the best things. Telescope was another thing uh, that we already mentioned. But the giant Jenga tower, basically, it's a bunch of blocks that you stack up. And you pull pieces out, see how far you can go. I eat at Fuzzies a lot here in DFW, and they have all of them have east facing patios. And a lot of them have giant Jenga sets out there that you can sit around and play with if you don't want to watch the ball game. Have you heard of that? I think it's called Pickle and Chicken or Chicken and Pickle. Have you seen that place? Yes. So I haven't been there yet. Me neither. And I'm certain that there's games there. I'm not sure what, but there were places in Phoenix. Really cool places, especially down in Tempe, down by ASU, because and I only say that because those are the places that our gang went, our, our family of friends that we have in Phoenix, and we'd go there and play cornhole, but they had lots of games to play. So you're outdoors, sometimes you're undercover, sometimes you're in a heated space, in a heated area, and literally these places are packed. People just like being there. It's just a place to gather, a place to have friends, fellowship. And where would you want your kids to be? That's always nice if you can create that space outside your back door. You did that. I did that. But you mentioned just briefly a minute ago the firewood mm -hmm. and a rack that you could put that on. So I've seen some people build really nice built-in units around fireplaces where they can store wood. Mm -hmm. But also sometimes it's just a, a rack back behind the fireplace that you can store stuff off the ground and keep it dry. And that way it burns much better. So one thing I want to ask you about is that in phoenix we had we had scorpions and scorpions like wood and so if i'm putting a rack somewhere near my outdoor kitchen or even close to my home i could pretty much count on the fact that we would have a scorpion issue and i was surprised that you guys have scorpions here i would think they would freeze in the winter time they might they might they go dormant and they wake up and man they are tough I have, over the course of the years, there were times when scorpions would be in the house, and so I'd get a special light to go outside to find them, and the, the little mothers would have 5,000 babies on their backs, and you'd get out there, and they would just scram, and that was interesting. And in fact, one of the houses that we bought, the first thing that Heather did was she did what was called scorpion-proof the house. I'm thinking, how do you scorpion-proof a house? They come in, they seal every single thing in the house. We still got scorpions every once in a while. And of course, if I killed one in the house, do you think I told her? She's terrified of them. It was so, there's that process. But you guys have pretty, maybe a different type of scorpion. When I was in the Gulf during the war and, and also all the times I was in and out of Saudi Arabia and the Middle East, they have some pretty nasty scorpions over there. People are afraid of them. I haven't ever found one in my wood pile. Interesting. But, but I will. Won't tell Laura about that at all, although she probably just listened to it on podcast. So ignore this, Laura. Our rack of firewood is fine. That's funny. The entertainment is something that we can do inside, but it's a special situation when you can go outside and everybody curls up around a fire and you got a blanket, got some hot chocolate. You can Even sit a there. deck of cards. Or you could watch a movie, board games. You could watch the national championship. Sorry, Texas, you lost. So anyway, look. I'm from the Northwest. So I'm pretty excited about Washington. Yeah. When this episode comes out, we'll know the end result. That's for sure. That is a fact. But they surprised me. That one quarterback, he's got a future. That's for sure. 
and you never know which quarterbacks are going to have a future. Yeah, that's true. One thing when we were doing research, we decided that it'd be interesting to find out some things that have to do with a particular month. And so I was looking at what February had to offer. Mm -hmm. And so I thought I'd include that in this episode. So uh, there was a lot of things that February is known for. It's the great American pie month for all you that want some pie. This is the month to get it in. It's Black History, National Black History Month. Which is a great thing. Oh, yes. It's American Heart Month, which is another thing that's really important, is healthcare. National Cherry Month. Really? I wouldn't have picked February to be National Cherry Month. And every month's probably got a plethora of different things that are represented during that month. And of course, everybody knows about Valentine's Day. Yes. I've, I'm going to come to that one in a second. But All right. Sorry. The, Got ahead of you. The one that I thought that I had to do with outdoor living is it's National Bird Feeding Month. Really? Yeah. I thought that was an interesting situation. So this was John Porter in 1994 came up with the National Bird Feeding Month. He said, February, it's tough on birds. They've run out of food. Their bodies are depleted. So it really helps if they get some extra uh, food. And if you want to create a space where birds like to hang out, if you feed them in February, that's the best time to feed them. We have a beautiful Siamese cat. She was white when we got her, and she's now very dark. And she'll get up on the windowsill in my office at the house, and she will sit there, and all of a sudden she'll start just going berserk. And oftentimes a bird is out there, and there's a red cardinal that shows up every once in a while, and it sits there and almost taunts her. And it's hilarious to watch. But I would imagine here in North Texas, there's probably a pretty diverse amount of birds here. Yes, there is. You have a lot. Some of them migrate in the wintertime, but some of them stay around. So it's something that my grandfather, that was his favorite thing to do. He had a huge window outside of his house and had feeders and would sit there and identify all the different birds that would come through. But it's something that a lot of people can enjoy looking at the outdoor space, but also just helping out our little feathered friends. Although the squirrels a lot of times get the food as well. So The one thing I don't like about the birds is they seem to like the mirrors on my truck and they'll sit on there and do their duty on it and I'll come out and go, what is it, 500 birds right here today? Yeah, you've got big mirrors. That's true. So National Bird Feeding Month. So feed some birds. They will uh, greatly appreciate you. And you mentioned Valentine's Day. If you want to really score some points with your significant others, there's some suggestions. And you should take every opportunity to do so. Every day. But Valentine's Day, certainly not. One of the things that we talked about trends last week was swings. If you got an outdoor swing for Valentine's Day and decorated it with some Valentine pillows sitting outside and you lit up some candles outside. That sounds like a very good situation. Maybe some rose petals. My wife loves roses. I actually like them too. And so at least twice a month, she's getting a big bouquet of fresh roses that we could look at and enjoy together because I love flowers too. There was one, I guess I forgot that. So one of the things you can do outside is to come in and do winter flowers that have color like pansies and cabbage and kale they Which kale's really good for you, by the way. Well, there you go. Added bonus. They didn't mention roses for the wintertime, although 
there are some roses, depending on where you live, that bloom almost all year long. So, anyway. Well, worst case scenario, you go to the Costco or to the grocery store and you can get roses of any color anymore. Oh, there you go. Anytime. Oh, the one I forgot plant is camellias. Or mm. They bloom in February, typically. Hmm. We have one outside of our house. They looked really good when we lived in Sacramento. That was like the camellia capital. Even getting back to the furniture thing, now there's just so many different types of furniture and different quality of furniture. And there's a massive amount of different types of swings that you can buy. The round ones that are made out of wicker that hang from somewhere. So we could have a place to hang that if you're going to put several hundred pounds on it and think that through. Again, getting back to our master plan and the things that you and I go through with homeowners is let's at least think about all this stuff because maybe you don't want to buy a swing that's going to cost several hundred dollars or several thousand dollars and put cushions on it. But if we have a place that we could eventually add it, what a great surprise that might be for somebody. Oh yeah. So there you go. There's a hint. And we're coming up on it. Yes. What other things do you think of to enjoy your outdoor space and the end of the winter? As I said earlier, I, I love being outside and the more I can be outside, the better. And that is the trend, as we learned during COVID, is people wanted to recreate these spaces outdoors. And yeah, travel's coming back. People are traveling more. But there's something about going home from work each day or from whatever it is that you're coming home to, and you almost have a vacation destination to enjoy year-round in your backyard. So one of the things that I've started doing more is just going out and enjoying a few minutes of silence. And I love silence. And silence. It's just, if I go outside, it's a lot easier to create and enjoy that space. And seasonally, it's harder to go outside than just stepping out in the spring or the fall, but it's so enjoyable just to have a few minutes of peace and tranquility and soak in what's around you and just be uh, grateful for all the things we've been blessed with. Oh, for sure. And even just going out, as you said, going out by yourself, it's one thing to entertain family and friends or having parties. And I'm going to go off on a little tangent here just real quickly, but how many people now, because they've created these spaces in their backyards, are holding weddings in their backyard? What a memory. We got married in our parents' backyard or we got married in somebody else's backyard because it was so amazing. And I think that's just another benefit of thinking through all of this stuff. But it's super important. Love it. So a lot of ways you can use your outdoor space regardless of the season. But February is a tough season, but I think a lot of us will find a lot of enjoyment. Why do you think that is? Because the Texas winter for me, at least my experience, because I've only been through one, seems to be that the weather doesn't get really super cold. We don't get really any snow or freezing until February. So that would be one of the reasons why February maybe is tough here. In Phoenix, you're starting to get, you're getting excited now about spring. But in February here in North Texas, and no doubt in other parts of the country, it's still a little ways off before you're going to start warming up a little bit. Spring is around the corner. Yes, it is. We can enjoy today where we are and look forward to tomorrow. Absolutely. Thank you, everybody, for listening to us today. Yes, thank you. And we look forward to uh, sharing with you more. And as Kevin mentioned earlier, send those questions in. Also, if you get a chance to review us on Apple Podcasts and give us a write-up or a review, those are helpful for other people finding out about this information that we have to offer. Yes, indeed. Look forward to talking to you again later. Thanks, everybody. 
This show is all about helping you become a better buyer, a better pool owner, and hopefully you're going to find some insights into how to enjoy your pool even more so, how to help your friends, your family, anybody looking to buy a pool in the future or that want to remodel their backyard, add an outdoor fireplace, fire pit, add an outdoor kitchen area, add some shade cells or whatever else it is. We want to be that resource for you. And that's the end goal here. And we promise that there's going to be a ton of information. We'll try to go through it, you know, as relatively quickly, but also slow so people can understand. But the intent of the show, the reason Mike and I are doing this is because we just got a lot in our heads and we want to share it. So we hope to see you here every single week. Thanks for listening.